good morning, Mission Grove Church. We are so glad that you are here with us on Mother's Day. And, and this morning, we want to talk about the topic of honor. We hope that you take time and honor the moms in your life, um, honor your mom or, or someone that you know, a sibling or, or a daughter um, who is a mom. And, and so we'd love to actually honor you this morning. So on your way out, we actually have a uh, personal gift from us to you, just saying that you are loved and, and that you are appreciated here at Mission Grove. Now, not only do we want to talk about honoring our moms this morning, we want to actually talk about the actual topic of honor. You see, we are in a series right now entitled Family Five, Five Foundations to a Healthy Family. Two weeks ago, we talked about the very first principle, which is that healthy families put God first. And we said that if God is not first in your life, then your priorities are going to be out of order. And that the foundation that you set through loving God and loving others really sets up the rest of your life for a family. And so the first principle is to put God first. And then last week, we had the privilege of learning and listening to Dr. Tim Kimmel, and we learned that healthy families are based on grace. And the idea is is that grace really sets the temperature of the room and sets the temperature of your relationships. And so that we we love, and especially in parenting, we don't parent out of fear, and we don't parent for performance, but that we parent based on grace. And so if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about the third principle this morning. And the third principle of building a healthy family is this. Healthy families create a culture of honor. Healthy families create a culture of honor. Now, what comes to mind when you hear the word honor? Maybe you think of being on the honor roll as a kid, and there's some of you in the room that shook your head at me because you clearly were not on the honor roll as a kid. That's okay. Maybe you think of a courtroom setting when you're addressing someone as your honor, or maybe you're hosting a party and you have a guest of honor. And usually the term honor is tied with respect and esteem. And and that is accurate. That's an accurate picture. But we want to actually take a slightly different angle or different view of the same topic. That when I really started studying the word honor in scripture, in the Bible, it actually gave me a broader, bigger picture of what does it mean to honor somebody well. You see, throughout scripture, the word honor is actually often tied to the idea of price or paying for something. In other words, something is paid for and then it is redeemed after purchase. So if you've ever gone to a concert or a sporting event, most likely you bought a ticket. And when you showed up at that venue, either you had a ticket or nowadays you have a barcode or some kind on your phone, and they scan that, they receive that, or they honor that ticket when you enter in. So one of the most expensive sporting events you can go to these days is the Super Bowl. So here in Super Bowl 2019, Greg's still a little sad about his Los Angeles Rams, almost winning, but not, um, and losing to the Patriots. But um, So we have the Super Bowl, the most watched sporting event in the world, 
and that the average ticket price for the 2019 Super Bowl experience there in Atlanta was $2,500, and that the average resale of those tickets was actually going for over $5,000. Now, that's gone up a little bit um, from the very first Super Bowl. The first Super Bowl was hosted in 1967. The Green Bay Packers defeated the, the Chiefs, and, and the average ticket price to the first Super Bowl in 1967 was $12. So $12. And so it went, same game, but it went from $12 to $2,500. Now, I don't think just the addition of the halftime show makes up the difference. But where does that price come into play? Because the ticket, the piece of paper itself doesn't really hold the value, but rather it's what the value represents. And so you show that ticket, you, you, you gain admission, and so the value is actually connected to price. So how much is your house valued, for example? You might go on Zillow and say, well, what is the value of our home? My home hasn't changed. My home hasn't changed, but yet the price has gone up. Why? Well, it, what are people willing to pay for that? And so you have the price that is that kind of dictates the value of something now here's what's crazy and here's where it really boils down and here's where we land the plane for us this morning that if we want to create a culture of honor we have to understand that a definition of honor is this and you can write this down that honor is recognizing the value of something based on the price already paid Let me say that again, that honor is recognizing the value of something based on a price already paid. And so if you don't go to sporting events a lot or you don't go to concerts, same concept when you actually just use apps like, or websites like Groupon. You buy a voucher and then you take that into the place and then they honor that, they recognize that based on the value of something that you've already purchased. But here's where it gets crazy, and this is where the light bulb went on for me. If honor and value are connected, and we're called to honor one another, then where is the value established of a human soul? What it actually says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says that you were bought with a price, meaning That God loved you so much that we learn in John 3.16 that God loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the value of someone is based on the purchase price. So let's think about this for just a moment this morning. What is the purchase price of a human soul? It's God himself. God values you so much. You are worth far more than any sporting event, than any concert, than anything in this world. He loves you so much that the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, died on a cross to pay for your sins And then rose again on the third day, which we celebrate as Easter, so that we can spend eternity with him in heaven for those who believe. 
And so when you think of the definition of honoring as valuing something or recognizing the value of something already paid for, and we put that in the context of scripture, to honor someone means to treat them with the value of Christ laying his life down for them. In other words, we recognize that honor is the highest regard. That if Jesus was willing to die for that person, then they're worth our respect. And we should, it should impact what we say and, and how we treat someone, right? So let's, let's just take a look into a passage of scripture that actually talks about this. Ephesians chapter six, verses uh, one through four. Paul is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus and he, and he writes this here. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we are commanded to honor our parents. And God values honor so much that of over 600 commands given in the Old Testament, honoring your parents makes it into the top 10. Think about that for a second. Some of the other commands in that top 10 list are have no gods before me or do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Honor your parents. That's put on that same level. What God is saying here is that treat your parents and recognize the value that I have given them. And do we treat people in that way? But what's interesting about this passage is that specifically he's talking to children, saying obey your parents, but then, and then he says, you know, fathers, do not provoke your children. And so there's, there's a back and forth. Really, in that entire passage, we don't have time to go through all of it, but he's talking about family relationships. In the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, God establishes how we will fill the earth and reign, and it's through the construction and the organization and the, and of the family itself. God could have chose any vehicle through which he would fill the earth, and he chose the picture and the image of a family. And here we are thousands of years later, still working through the inner workings and the dynamics and the ups and downs of family life. And so we have this, this picture because what we just read was in Ephesians chapter 6. But in Ephesians chapter 5, in the beginning, in verse 1, Paul writes, he says, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love. So he's calling all people children, children of God, to walk in love. And then in verse 8, he says that you are now to walk as children of light. And so he's writing to a church, but referring to them all as children, all as believers, and he's saying, walk in love, walk in light. And in chapter 5, verse 21, he says to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. So there's back and forth. It's, it, it's Christ 
and then there's family. And then it gets to a little bit of a controversial statement. It's not controversial, but people take this out of context and just, and they use some, people sometimes use scripture as weapons to try to hurt other people. And this is an example of it because see in chapter five, verse 22, it says the phrase, wives submit to your husbands. Now we quote that and, and sadly in church world, unfortunately, there have been some very chauvinistic abuse that's really come out within church world. And it's just a sad picture when, when guys come across domineering and say, wives, submit to your husbands, do this, do this. Well, they forget to quote the verse right before or right after that one. They only go to that one and they say, wives, submit to your husbands. Never mind that the verse before that says, everybody submit to each other. And then he says, submit, wives, submit to your husbands. And so, and it's an example of sacrifice. And the greatest picture you have of submission is actually Jesus Christ himself. And so he's saying, wives, be Jesus to your husbands. Because then the very next passage, it talks to husbands. It gives like one verse to women and they're gonna understand and connect. And then it gives like five to men because they're not gonna get it. And it says, no, husbands, love your wives as Jesus did. And as Jesus laid his life down to respect, this is the picture of Christ in the church. And so it's in tandem, it's, it's, it's together, it's hand in glove, it works together. And so the passage reads this way. It says, everybody, as children of God, walk in love. Everybody, as children of God, walk in light. Everyone, as children of God, submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, sacrifice your life for your wife. So it goes together in mutual submission, in equal value. Because you see, that in that culture, that was not a controversial statement. Because it, what was controversial was to actually give women respect. Because in that time, a, a woman's testimony was not valid in court. But here, Paul is actually raising up the value of moms and of wives and say, no, it's the same playing field here, same value. In fact, as he walks through those roles, we then get to our passage in Ephesians chapter six and says, children, honor your parents, honor your father and mother, meaning that there is equal respect, equal value, and there is connection. And so there's God, there is parents, and there is children. And we see this structure and it works together. And so what he's saying here is that honor is, is really something of a culture. It's not just children to parents. It's all-encompassing. So if honor is recognizing the value of something based on the fact that it's already been paid, then what does that look like on a practical basis? What, what is honor? And then what does honor actually do? Let's take a look for the next couple minutes at those two ideas. What is honor and then what does honor actually accomplish? What does it do? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Is that first of all, honor is given. Honor is given. And I say that because there are some qualities that you simply have. Right? Like patience. You don't give patience to someone. You have patience. 
Right? You don't give self-control to someone. You have self-control. But honor, notice, is on the, pers- the weight of that is not on the person who receives, but on the person who gives. And they're connected, but it's slightly different in the fact that respect is earned, but honor is given. That means that honor is a choice. So honor is given. You choose to honor someone. Secondly, honor is treating someone as worthy. What you're saying is, if you're valuable to God, you're valuable to me. You are worth my time. You are worth kind words. You are worth opening the door, speaking well, working hard. You, you are worth it to me. Because when you dishonor, what you're saying is, is you're not worth it. When you dishonor somebody, and we live in a culture, don't we, that if we either do one of two things, don't we? We either idolize someone or we demonize someone. Isn't that true? Whoever we're for, it's like, oh, they can do no wrong. Our, our stance, our leaders, our athletes, our actors, our politicians, if we're on our team, so to speak, it's like we idolize them and they're amazing, but then the other side, we demonize, oh, they're the worst, right? But where is civility gone in our culture today, amen? We can, it seems like we're in a culture now where no longer can you disagree with somebody and still respect them, right? But the concept of honor is that, well, if God values them, even if I disagree, even if I don't understand the person, I can honor the position and I can honor the price that Jesus paid for that person. So I'm gonna change what I say and what I do. Now, what does that look like? Well, when you are younger, Honor is obedience. Honor is obedience when you're younger. That's why it says, children, obey your parents. Jesus also says multiple times in the New Testament, saying, if you love me as children of God, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So honor is is best shown when you're younger through obedience. Now, as you get older and, and you're no longer at that level of where they're giving you orders, how do you show honor to people when you're older? Well, the best way to show honor when you're older is actually through appreciation. Through appreciation. Do you express gratitude? Do you make the phone call? Do you send a text? Do you meet for coffee or for dinner? Love and honor are often tied together. In fact, in Romans 12, Paul, same author, is writing about how the church should function as a family. And we have this really cool verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And he writes, he says, Love one another with brotherly love and outdo one another in showing honor. Wouldn't that be crazy if we had an honor competition? 
where you try to, instead of outdoing someone and what we purchase and what we win and what we compete, it was like, I'm gonna show more honor than you, right? You know what the best example of that is? And it's really annoying, but it makes sense, is that really in love couple who's trying to get off the phone. They're like, I love you more. No, I love you more. I love you, no, I love you more. No, you, no, you hang up. Okay, okay, we'll hang up together. Ready? One, two, three. No, you hang up, you were, right? And like, we see this and you're like, that is so gross, but then it's also like, man, that's awesome too, right? What if we had a culture that instead of ego, we actually tried to build up honor? And in your families, you actually tried to demonstrate and you tried to see who could out-honor somebody, meaning who could reach out more, lift up higher, speak the best of. Wouldn't that radically change things? Now, as I talk about honor, I can sense maybe a hesitation in the room. Because what do you do when your example was not good? In other words, what do you do when you're hurting? What do you do when your parent or your teacher or your boss was not healthy, did not treat you well? did not honor you well. And you've been hurt, and in some cases, hurt bad. Let me just encourage you with this. That if you've been hurt, when it comes to honor, just do these things. Number one is be honest. Don't fake it, face it. Be honest. Be true. In our passage, it talks about children, honor your father and mother. But in the very next section, it actually, he's writing to slaves saying, hey, honor your master. Now, he's not condoning slavery. In fact, later he writes a letter to a slave owner, says you should set him free. He says, masters, treat them with respect. Treat them as free. Treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, but he says, if you're in that situation where you've been hurt, there's still a choice because it's given. Paul is in prison in Philippians chapter one. He's been chained up, he's been beaten, he's done nothing wrong, but yet he says in Philippians one, verse 20, he says, God, I pray that you would be honored in my body. If I'm not honoring that person, I can honor the position and I can honor the God who created them. So be honest. Secondly, break the cycle. Break the cycle. If there is a cycle of abuse, a cycle of hurting, a cycle of, of, of verbal or emotional or physical, you can break that cycle. You can, and it's tough, but you can learn to forgive and to release the bitterness and to choose differently. And lastly, is you can build a better future. If you're in a harmful relationship or you've experienced a harmful thing, sometimes the most honoring thing you can do is to treat your kids, your siblings, your coworkers better than you were treated. To be honest in a situation, to break the cycle, to acknowledge what has happened, and then commit to building a better future. 
Healthy families create a culture of honor. But what does that look like? What does that look like on a practical basis? I would say it this way. Honor does three things if you're taking notes. Honor, first of all, lifts up. Honor lifts up. So you are showing honor to your parents. If you're still in the house, you're showing honor through obedience. If you're outside of the house, you're showing honor through appreciation. If you're in a work setting and you just hate your boss, you can still honor that position, that, position, that role. It seems like every few years, the political climate of our country completely changes. But as Christians, are we honoring the office of the government and the positions there that maybe we can disagree, but there is still respect given and honor showed and then civility shared, right? So whether it's parents or bosses or people in authority over you, do you speak highly? Do you look for ways to serve? Do you treat them with the value that Jesus was willing to die for that person. And if Jesus was willing to die for that person, are you willing to live for that person? And you can lift up and it starts in the home, honoring parents. Secondly, honor looks out. It lifts up, you're holding up in high esteem, you're recognizing their value, but then you're, you're you're looking out because you're seeing people as equals. That's why I really stress the concept of husband and wives submitting and sacrificing together in tandem because the value is the same. Are you looking for ways to out-honor each other? Or are you going into the workplace or on the sports team and you're looking for ways to get people? Ha, got them. That's not a culture of honor. Imagine how radically different your family life would be if you tried to live out Romans 12, 10, to where you showed love and you tried to outdo each other in honor. Man, if we had that kind of love in the church, the world would be desperate to connect with our churches. Instead, what's the most commonly described characteristic from the outside looking at the inside of the church? Hypocrites, judgmental. You see this in scripture, people who are in difficult circumstances who lived out of a place of honor. Joseph, under the reign in Egypt, under Pharaoh, lived in honor. Daniel lived in honor. David, being chased and, and threatened, his life threatened, lived out of honor. The early church was persecuted and scattered, yet they lived out of honor. And so that when they were attacked, when they were hurt, when things were against them, and they chose to give honor, because honor is not just something you have, but it's something you give. Respect might be earned, but honor is given. And so when you choose to honor people and recognize their value as children of God, it radically changes the relationship, and it gives you a platform to share the truth of who Jesus is. Because here at Mission Grove Church, we desire to have and to help every man, woman, and child experience Jesus because at the end of the day, Jesus changes everything. And if we want people to understand the message of Jesus, we have to treat them with the honor and the respect that Jesus died for. Don't make people pay for something that Jesus already did. 
Don't put false expectations on a relationship when Jesus saw that we were sinners. It says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were sinners, at the right time, Jesus died for us. So even in our worst moment, God extended honor and love and sacrifice so that we could have relationship. So approach your marriage, approach your family these ways, approach your workplace this way, and try to outdo each other in honor. It'll radically change how you think. And the last thing is honor loves down. And the best way to do that is through compassion. Do you show compassion to your children? Do you show compassion for those who are hurting, to those who make mistakes, to those who are searching? Because that honors them. Do you give the example to your kids how you're supposed to treat and love other people? Or do you come home and you complain and you complain and you complain? What example are you setting for them? But instead, if you show compassion and you love and you work through mistakes and you raise up, it radically changes things. As the band comes up on stage, I want to just close with this idea. That when it comes to honor, I think the best picture I could think of is actually the tomb of the unknown soldier. Have you ever been there? You had to take a trip to Washington, D.C. when I was in eighth grade. I was not mature enough to understand what I saw in eighth grade. Uh, But even in my little eighth grade, squeaky, acne-filled face, we showed up at this tomb of the unknown soldier, and you could hear a pin drop. Because in fact, since 1937, there have been soldiers who have been pacing, walking, protecting every minute of every day since 1937. Through weather, through rain, through snow. Why? Because the tomb of the unknown soldier represents those lives who were given for our freedom and they could not be recognized. And so what they are doing is that they are recognizing the value of the price those soldiers paid. They are showing honor on behalf of sacrifice. As those soldiers gave their lives for our freedom, so too Jesus gave his life for our freedom. Therefore, because death is arrested, death is conquered, we are free. And because we are free, we should treat others as free and give the honor that Christ has shown you and to me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for your son. God, here on Mother's Day, we are just so grateful for who you are and what you've given. And we pray that you would just be lifted up this morning. That God, you are willing to die for us and that if you are willing to die for us, may we live for each other. May we honor our parents, but also honor one another. May we try as a church to outdo each other in honor to show the value that you placed on our lives. May we live in light of this truth. May we live in your freedom. We love you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.